This is the Neptune Now podcast, where we shine the spotlight on our incredible Neptune Game Time partners. They are leaders, they are trailblazers, and they are inspirational to so many people around them. It's time for the Neptune Now podcast. Nick Rule is the athletic director at William Penn University in Oskaloosa, Iowa, population just over 11,000 people. WPA is an NAIA program, but the size of the community and the level of small school competition doesn't stop Nick from implementing big ideas as he uses his very diverse background in communications, fundraising, coaching, even politics to make William Penn one of the top athletic programs in the country in every possible area. Our guest this week on the Neptune Now podcast is Nick Rule. I want to welcome in the athletic director from William Penn University in Oskaloosa, Iowa. He's Nick Penn, good friend and a longtime partner of Game Time. Nick, how are you doing? Hey, hey, I'm doing really good, Brian. I'm just uh, you know really enjoying what we're doing up here at, at William Penn, and um, just just love our, our partnership and uh, and and just trying to do things at high level. Well, I want to tell you, first of all, the, looking at your background, just uh, as we did some prep to get ready for the interview, you have one of the more diverse backgrounds for an athletic director that I've ever seen. Typically, it's an athletic director starts out as a coach and then moves up uh, into higher roles as he goes on head coach and then moves into the athletic director's role. That's changed somewhat here in 2023. But tell me a little bit about your journey to getting to where you are now at William Penn. Yeah, I mean, so I, when I graduated here from William Penn, um, I had an, going into my, you know, senior year, I had just this intense, junior and senior year, I had this intense interest in politics and, um, you know, Iowa, Iowa caucuses and just everything out here. And, you know, I grew up in Idaho and, um, you know, came from, you know, family that was politically opinionated and, uh, uh, on all sides. And, and so just really interested in that. I worked on a presidential campaign and, and after doing that, I kind of realized that, you know, I didn't think I really wanted to get into politics because I noticed that the, the political world changed a lot of people. Um, and, uh, and I, and I thought that was going to change the world and didn't necessarily see that happening. So, um, I started getting interested in, you know, communications and things like that, um, PR and was fortunate enough that Musco Lighting, the, world's leader in sports lighting is uh, international headquarters is um, in Oskaloosa and uh, they were trying to get involved in the social media world of things. And, and, um, and so they, they created a position to, to help, you know, for me to help kind of navigate that next level of international public relations. But in the same to, uh, token, our women's golf position um, had opened up and I had a golf background. I played mostly soccer, but I uh, grew up just a uh, working at a golf course and, you know, um, and just under three PGA pros and just learned a lot about the game. And, uh, that was kind of another interest I was thinking about. Do I go to the PGA, PGA school and such? And, um, our, our program was just in terrible shape. We were one of the, uh, three worst teams in the country. Um, interesting part my sister was actually part of the team. So I knew some of the inside problems and the AD was desperate and said, you know, we need someone to coach. Um, and, uh, they, he needed, basically what he was saying was we need someone crazy enough to take this job. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I took it. And, uh, so I was working full time at Musco and part-time women's golf coach. And we were fortunate enough to turn the program around and, um, ended up winning, you know, six, seven straight conference championships. But around that time, I also wanted to move full time to university because I realized I think I want to be in college athletics. And so a few years in, I, moved over to development office. And so I was about 80% um, fundraising booster club 
alumni relations and then 20%, you know, coaching women's golf and kind of progressed from there. And, um, and then, you know, just things happened. And in 2017, our AD retired. And, um, again, I, you know, I didn't have any AD experience, but I tried to do a lot of things to get, make my background unique, you know, we're running for the school board and the county and are in the city and, and uh, getting involved in a bunch of foundations and things like that to kind of make myself a little bit more unique and was fortunate to be chosen for the position. That is not your normal route to athletic director <laughs> roles. <laughs> well, you know, it was interesting. So as I was going through that, like when I was about 25 years old, cause I got the job at 29. Um, and, and I share this with young professionals all the time. Uh, cause kind of one of my passions has been, I really want to go and help out young people in uh, the world of athletic administration, especially in the collegiate space to get them connected. Cause I had some really, I was really fortunate to have people like Jim Abbott and, and others who um, just created a space for me to feel like I could connect with them. Um, and, and one thing I would tell people is like, you know, where are you at now and where do you want to be? And then you got to navigate how to get there. And I knew that I didn't have experience, right? Like it just, it just, that's not what I had. I didn't, I, I if I was going to be the AD at William Penn university, it wasn't because I was an assistant AD. Um, it was, it was, it was a risky hire on our president's part. Um, but I went through, I, I still have the spreadsheet today and I went through and I looked at 200 different ADs at all different levels. And, and I looked at what was their education? You know, what was their background? You know, and I, and I noticed this general, this, like uh, this trend this in, in the industry to where, you know, you had maybe the old football coach who became the AD and all that. And now it was like, I started to notice like it, a, a chief marketer, like someone like, you know, like a chief energy officer, like a communications person there. And, and I noticed a trend and I was like, okay, well I have a marketing background. Like I can fit this niche. Um, and, and you're seeing a lot of that now. Um, but without doing that research, I don't know that I would ever come up with like, all right, I can't be like all them. So I've got to be something that's not right now, but I see it's coming. And that's what I tried to kind of morph myself into being so I could have an opportunity. Well, you're making the most of that opportunity. Tell me a little bit about, I, I do have a question about this. So with no athletic director's experience, but with all that varied um, experience that you've gained doing all those different things, did you have a vision in mind for what you wanted to see William Penn Athletics become uh, based on all the, the skills and the background that you had going in? What was that vision? Absolutely. I mean, um, I wanted us to be uh, a leader in small college athletics. Okay. So like, where are your smart goals that go with that and everything? You have to have a vision for things. Um, I had a really good experience here as a student athlete. Um, I had a good experience here as a coach. What I noticed is that uh, individually, we did so many good things within individual programs. But I noticed that maybe um, we, we didn't do as good a job connecting everyone together. And so the way I've described it is like at that point we had 21 different sports and how do we get them to work under 21 under one umbrella and, and still have 21 different umbrellas under that to where they can have some individuality. But we have 25 sports now. Um, and I think it's just really getting everyone to buy in. And when you're going through hiring to like, okay, we're all a part of this big team, you know, the baseball team, the basketball team, the softball team does not exist if you don't have William Penn university. And that's culture, right? And so we really wanted to build an inclusive, connected culture. Um, and, and then from that start, you know, being very definitive on like, what is success to us? And we, what we define is that we want to, we want to win at everything. 
Um, we don't just want to win at the court, on the court. Like we want to win um, in giving back to the community. Uh, we want to win in enhancing our academic performance. Um, and, and, and we obviously want to be successful. And, and it was the same thing uh, in, in athletics. And it was the same thing the approach kind of took as a coach. If we're going to be good at all these little things, winning will take care of itself. Um, and, you know, one of the things that we're really, really proud of is that, for example, that is that as far back as, uh, or as recently as 2013, 2014, you know, William Penn University only had three scholar teams. So teams in a year that had a 3.0 GPA or above. Well, this year we just finished the year with 16. Um, you know, and, and you notice, and, and I'm going to present this to our coaches, academics and giving back to our community. At one point, we were giving back 500 hours to our community. This year, we just completed 2,500 hours. So at the same time that we're doing all these extra things, we've also gotten better uh, on the field of play. Um, we, we've had our highest finishers in the Learfield Sports Directors Cup. Um, we used to be a, a, a school that was maybe ninth or 10th in the Conference Commissioner's Cup, and we're consistently in the top three or four. Um, at one point, we tied for first. And so it's just like, all these little things matter, um, but the problem is you got to get people to believe. The challenge is you got to get people to believe that this is this is you're going to see the fruits of your labor three or four years down the road. And you're going to change lives, but it's not immediate. And um, but we've been fortunate to see. Now we're fortunate to start showing that our staff that these things matter, and it's also helping you win more ball games because you're getting a higher quality kid too. How did you get buy-in when you first started, though? Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, you got to be really clear on what you want to do, but uh, but I think one of the things that that especially I was young. I mean, I think I'm. I still like to think I'm young, um, but uh, you know, at 29 years old, like when I I was the golf coach, like all these coaches um, were my peers, and now I'm I'm their supervisor. Uh, so I knew what we wanted to do, but a lot of conversations early on and asking what they want. And what was very cool is that what they wanted was kind of the vision that I knew would be successful to us, but they needed someone to help them that they needed someone to lead the navigation of it um, because they're so involved in the day-to-day in their sport. Um, and what I see often that, that maybe people make the biggest mistake, especially early on, maybe as a young leader and such is that they try to change too much too quick. Um, you, Find your low hanging fruit. So we found some low hanging fruit. And then we, then we, there was, and we knew there was a number of critical issues. So it's like, okay, gotta assemble this team so we can handle the low hanging fruit, give us some wins. And then on the critical issues, all right, let's figure out, let's, let's hit one critical issue this year that might cause some consternation because it's going to be change, but it's evolution, not revolution. Um, and then as we, as, an administrative team, we began to gain some confidence or uh, trust in us from our staff. We could hit more critical issues. So maybe next year was three critical issues to where like our critical issues today aren't criti- as critical as they were five, six years ago. Um, so it, it's just, it, it just don't want to do too much too quick, but um, you have to understand self-leadership, who you are as a leader and what you want to do. And, and I knew you know, what I thought was going to be really good for William Penn, but I also, through staff conversations, realized that our staff shared the same vision and it was my job to assemble a team to make sure we figured out how to, to execute that, that vision. One of the things I've gotten to know about you as we've worked with you over the years is that uh, you were real big in the fan engagement uh, and you put together a team and then put it together, uh, I guess, working with the university sports management program. Tell me a little bit about that. 
Yeah, I mean, so part of our vision early on is that we wanted to create a high-level student-athlete experience um, and a high-level experience for our fans um, at games. And, uh, you know, we've noticed a 25% uptick uh, in in people coming to our games from our local uh, zip code. Um, that's something we're really proud of. But part of that is we wanted to do what the small Division ones and the, the legit Division twos did. And so what we did is we went and looked at all their staffs. And what we realized is that they had a lot more full-time people than we were going to be able to do. Um, so if we wanted to meet that goal of creating this great environment, we needed people that really wanted to be a part of something. Um, and so we started a graduate assistant program. Um, it's called our athletic operations team. And we worked with our sports management department. And we intentionally go out and recruit some graduate assistants uh, that want to be game day operations people, athletic directors, and we customized their experience along the way. And in the first three, three years, I was heavily involved in every little detail on that. Now Bailey Rhymes um, oversees, uh, she's our director of athletic events and facilities. She oversees that team now. She was a product of that team. She was actually a student that came through that. And now we actually scholarship for it too. So we go out and give athletic scholarships to students that want to be a part of this. And then you know, it's a very high functioning team and that we really would model it like a division one department would do. They meet weekly, they come up with plans, they handle all the communication to all the visiting teams. Um, I'm to the point now that I show up 30 minutes before the game um, and they have every detail taken care of. Um, there's some oversight along the way. I mean, don't get me wrong on that, but um, it, it's been a big deal for us. And I tell you what, our student athletes, uh, their experience, they just love it. Um, and we get wild and crazy venues and crowds and um, all of our games are themed in some way, shape or form um, and not just football and men's basketball. Um, honestly, are some of our greatest successes and increases in, in fan engagement have been in men's and women's soccer. Um, we get these crazy, awesome soccer crowds and the other, and we love that our student athletes say they love just going to William Penn uh, games and, and participating in, but we love that our fans are now viewing William Penn Athletics as an entertainment stop. You know, we're in a small community. Um, and there's still, you know, there's not as time to do as much to do in a metro, but there's still things to do. Um, and so we need to make sure that we are a choice. And so, and that people aren't just going to go to a game and watch, you know, the game play, that there's going to be entertainment value for it. Because if the game's a blowout, that's not very entertaining. So, if, you know, we've got to figure out how to do that. But the other part to it is that, you know, uh, Visiting teams love and hate playing here. Uh, they, they hate playing here because it's hard to play, but they love playing here because it's fun. Um, and that's something we take great pride into. You also, in addition to what you're doing there at uh, William Penn, you also are very involved uh, in so many different boards and in leadership roles throughout the NAIA and different organizations. Tell me a little bit about that and why you felt like that's an important thing to do on your part. You know, some of this happened uh, through COVID. Um, I mean, one, I like being involved. Um, you know, I, I think that I can, I, I want to be a representative and an ambassador for William Penn. Um, that's really important. Um, I'm, I love our university and uh, I want us to have a seat at the table, but I also want to have a seat at the table for our conference. Um I have a really good relationship with our commissioner, Lori Thomas, and all of our ADs in the conference, and I want to be a voice for them, too. Um, and, and what I mean by the pandemic is that when everything shut down here at William Penn, we met seven days into it and said, listen, we know the world's going crazy and all that, but uh, we need to figure out how to open up in the fall. 
Um, that's important for our students. And, and that was not necessarily a popular opinion at that point. Some people thought that that might be a little bit of a renegade and such. Um, but we were, unab- um, we were unabashed about it. Like we, we were stated that we were coming back. And I think that bold approach um, somewhat attracted people because at that time it was somewhat different. Well, you know, I, I think what it ended up is that William Penn um, started to have a seat at the table through some of the COVID conversations, which connected me to folks and things like that. Um, and so now I'm able to serve on a number of different things. Um, you know, I'm the vice president of our athletic directors association for the NAI and uh, starting on our national administrative council and serve on some selection committees and such. But there's a lot of amazing ADs in the NAI and across college athletics. Um, and there's a, a ton of them to do a, a ton more than me. Um, you know, I think of people like Drew Watson and Ashley Wallachal and, you know, Jason Horn and uh, Regan Rossi, like those folks that I just really admire. Um, and they poured into making the NAI better. Um, and, and I just want to be able to be a part of the future for that. And those are folks that have believed in me. And so I want to be able to help carry the torch. And I also want to be able to pass the torch because there's some folks behind me that are going to be ready to take care of the torch as well. So uh, it's just about service and um, how can we leave something better that we found it. And then we're also in a world today where student athletes uh, don't just want a, a place to play. It has to be flashy. It has to feel big time. The Nike contracts, all those different things, the branding, that's really, really important. And um, I feel like I can offer a unique perspective with that. You mentioned the future. What do you see as being the future for your athletic department at William Penn? Yeah, I, I mean, we've, we've made, like I touched on some progress before, but um, I mean, I feel like we've got a ton of momentum when we're just scratching the surface. I feel like next year is going to be our best year. I'm really excited uh, about, you know, a number of our different programs. Obviously, men's basketball has been, been really good for years. Um, I'm excited about our new football coach. You know, excited about baseball. I mean, I, I, this is the first year I think going into it that there's not a program that I'm looking at thinking, Oh, I just don't know if they're going to really, you know, this is a rebuilding year or this is, I mean, I look across the board, I look at all of our teams. Shotgun sports just won a national championship. I'm really excited about women's volleyball, men's volleyball doing their thing. I mean, men's lacrosse won the first conference championship in our conference history. Um, Soccer has been going on doing, you know, four straight national tournaments. We've been building to this. It's like when you're coaching, you have that really good recruiting class, and you know, by year four that they could be special. Um, I feel like as a coach, I'm in that space where like, all right, year four, this is the special year. But then I look at the, you know, and I'm actually in year seven, but, um, but like, I think year seven, eight and nine are going to be some really special years. And I think we got a really good shot of doing something nationally with women's wrestling and, um, so, but in the end, like winning is fun and all that, but what the future for us is how can we gr- create the best student athlete experience possible? And we're going to invest every single day in that. We're going to invest every single day in making sure our coaches uh, um, have what they need in order to be successful. And then everything else will take care of itself. What is the greatest challenge in your job and what do you like most about your job? A and B question. Take the challenge first. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, the greatest challenge in the job, this is going to sound so weird, uh, but I mean, just everyone expects communication back immediately. And, and um, 
you know, I'll go through a week where I might only have two or three or four hours of open time on my schedule. Um, and sometimes, you know, and, and I'm in a, in an interesting space cause I don't have an administrative assistant. So I kind of manage my own calendar and, and do, do all those different things. It's just sometimes the hardest part is uh, meeting everyone's expectation on, uh, the communication back, which is something that really I'm trying to work on. Um, you know, and we're moving our department to Microsoft Teams and all that. So our department communication is just in one spot. But I think that's that's the biggest challenge. I think the other biggest challenge, um, so that's a personal biggest challenge from a professional side of things, biggest challenge is, um, you know, this is a very crazy world that we're in with intercollegiate athletics. Uh, and things are going to change in the next two, three, four years in ways that we may not even have imagined. And I think preparing us for that change. And then you have an enrollment cliff coming. Um it's, it's what, what don't we know right now and what can we prepare or try to figure out to help us uniquely position ourselves to, to be ready, um, for the future. And, uh, and, and we have a mantra in our department that we want to be an athletic department equipped for the future. Um, that's, that's what we talk about. Sometimes our coaches mock it. It's like, but they're talking about it. So I know it's stuck. Um, and so what, what do we got to do to invest in that? And, um, and, and, you know, the one thing I'm excited about as well is kind of the same thing is that we're in uncharted territory. So the, the, the blue bloods and all the different, um, uh, levels, whether it's NAI, division one, division two, II, division three, um, they may not have all the answers and there might be spaces for people, uh, schools that weren't the blue bloods 20 years ago to say, Hey, we're the leaders in this place. And I, and I want William Penn, uh, going forward to be the, the leader in this new world of college athletics. Um, and so as much of a challenge as that is and not knowing what's happening, I think it's a great opportunity for us because I think we're uniquely prepared to navigate, uh, something that has uncharted territory. Well, the word I think of, and I've seen it several times in relation to your athletic program, but it, you particularly, the word is dynamic. And I can't tell you how much we appreciate uh, your partnership with Game Time. Uh, you're a, you're a, a fun person to be around because you're a big thinker. You don't think small. You think, I want this thing to be like Duke. And, yeah. uh, and you've achieved it, it looks like. Yeah. I mean, we want to be big time. All right. Uh, if we can be big time in what we're doing, big time where we're at. Um, while also providing an educational opportunity of small class sizes and more intentional one-on-one education, that's a big deal. And, and, and that's something we're excited about and we think we can do. And um, I'm just, you know, we're fortunate to be a part of just an incredible world in college athletics. We're fortunate to have our partnership with you guys. You guys have helped us um, move the needle and create a big time atmosphere. Um, and because the music side of things was, was one of those things that was, that was a pain point for us. And it's been so simple. Um, and you know, the sound effects and just things that you would get a professional venue we can do now. Um, and we've got one of our, one of our, uh, undergraduate students that we scholarshiped. We're actually going to give him a title, something about like game day experience or something like that. Cause he is so good when it comes to the music. Um, and he, you know, without what your guys' platform, we wouldn't be able to do that. So, um, for anyone that wants, that is looking to invest in something like this and it, it, our dollars invested in this partnership have, have, um, have been worth every single penny. 
Nick, we really, really appreciate your partnership, your friendship, and thank you so much for visiting with us today. Fascinating stuff, and uh, I wish we could talk for three hours because I'm sure I've got a billion questions more I'd love to ask you, but I want to be respectful of your time. You're a busy man, so thank you very much for coming on with the, the Neptune Now podcast, and I look forward to seeing you down the road. Yeah, anytime, man. Anytime you want to talk. I appreciate you, Brian. Nick Rule, William Penn University Athletic Director on the Neptune Now podcast. Thanks again to Nick Rule, the Athletic Director of William Penn University in Iowa, for joining us on this episode of the Neptune Now podcast. Our producer is Ryan Huddle. Audio engineering and music provided by Caleb Muncher. And our contributors are Kenzie Featherston, Cade Lowen, and Drew Rorick. I'm Brian Houston. Thank you for joining us, and we'll be back again soon with another episode of the Neptune Now podcast.